Having said that, you at the uh, book of Matthew, the second chapter, shout amen. 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 I'll wait for you. Still need to get there? Yes. If you need a Bible, raise your hand because we got some Bibles. We want to give you a Bible if you need a Bible. We will give you that. We're at the book of Matthew, the second chapter. And if you're there, if you are physically able, if you're physically able, please stand to your feet for the reading of God's word here this morning. And it begins as follows, chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When, the Her when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse 7. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring the word that I may to come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star... They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. You may now be seated. The first gifts of Christmas is what we will be discussing here today. The first gifts given to the king is what we'll be discussing here today. The, the gift, when we think about the gift, I want you to kind of look back and remember that time when you yourself were a recipient of an incredible gift, something that you got that someone knew all about who you are and they presented it to you and you received it and you were joyful over it. Or maybe you were the one that gave that gift to somebody and they knew you and they knew all about you and they received that gift with exceedingly great joy. Um, although my mother is here today, she didn't know I was gonna say this, but my mother at Christmas, although we were, we were very poor growing up, my mother at Christmas always made sure that her kids had gifts under that tree. And albeit they were something that we would look forward to seeing and it was something that we saw under that tree and we knew that my mother went to great lengths to give her kids the best Christmas that she could possibly give. And that took a lot of work and it took a lot of time and effort to get not only putting the hours and the hours in of work to um, provide a good Christmas for her kids, but there was also different organizations that 
exist to this day that also helped in. So then you have to talk, you have to be resourceful so that maybe that you, you understand your kids and you want to make something special for them that you will put every effort into that to provide a good Christmas. Do we have any mothers or fathers here that know what I'm talking about this morning? You will put forth the greatest effort you possibly can to make sure that your kids receive a great gift. And I could remember the time Years and years, my mom would always do this for us. And like I said, we, were, we, we didn't have a whole lot. We lived in the projects and we didn't have a whole lot. But during that time of the year, she made a miracle about whatever she had because she made it real Christmassy in the home. Can I get an amen here? I know you probably do this at home yourselves, right? You're probably already decorating. You started decorating on November 2nd. And you make your home, your home real Christmassy like. And my mom was really, really excellent at that. And one of the things that she used to do during that particular time of, of the year that I later on would appreciate was the music that she used to play while she was decorating. And I can remember the music that she would play all the time on that stereo, you know, the one that, that was on the floor, you know, the kind of stereo that you had to open up like this, you know, and then you press the button and you put the record in there. That's the kind of music my mom would play out of, out of that stereo. And I can remember some of those things and some of the music that she would play. And so one day I would tell, I would say, you know what, I'm going to become a famous rap star. I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to make millions of dollars doing my rap thing. And my mom didn't believe in that thing. She said, boy, wake up, rapper boy, and go to work. <laughs> so you ain't going to be no rapper. I'm always going to tell her. I said, one, well, you know, I'll never forget when she used to tell me those things. But then I would be like, you know what? One day I'm going to do something for you, mom, because I know this would be really special for you because I know who you are and I know what you love. I said, one day I'm going to be rich and famous that I'm going to meet Barbara Streisand. I'm going to meet Barbara Streisand, and we're going to be friends. I'm going to bring her to your birthday party, Mom, and she's going to sing for you at your birthday party. That was a dream of mine that I always wanted to do for my mom because she used to sing Barbara Streisand songs and prance around the living room as a little kid watching her, drinking her beer. And I can remember those wonderful times. I thought about, wow, what an amazing, an amazing gift that one day I'd like to give. But I think my mother got something better here today when she could see her grandkid up here singing praises unto Jesus. We don't need Barbara Streisand. We got the brothers and sisters of the Lord here today singing praises unto our king who was born. And as we begin to discuss this first Christmas, I was always someone who received, and my brother who's here as well, that we always received. My mom would always give and give and give, and we always received, but the greatest feeling I ever had when I was attending a church in 1999, and I attended this church for over eight years, and one of the things that they did there is a thing that we've continued to do traditionally through every holiday season, and that is to go out and give to those who are less fortunate. And it was a great feeling to take these these blessings that we would get, they would get toys and we would get food and we would, we would go out on Van Buren and we would go out to these families who didn't have anything and we would be out there instead of waking up on Christmas morning and opening up our presents, we were up on Christmas morning drinking coffee outside giving to the homeless, giving to the less fortunate, giving gifts and toys and clothes and the amazing feeling that you have when you become a giver. 
And you have this gift that nothing could ever buy, this feeling that only God could place there when you give something to somebody and a miracle happens because this was something that they were praying for that they get. They had no idea how they were going to make it. You know how you have no idea one time you just want that ham, you want that honey-baked ham or whatever it is, and you don't know how you're going to get it, and then it just you just get blessed with it. Amen. Amen. You know what I'm talking about. There's those moments and those times when you know how that, that amazing feeling that you have. And we go into this story of Christmas. We're going to learn quite a few things here today. And my intention is to teach you the word of God here today, but it's really not to ruin your nativity set either. It's not to ruin that. Even though you go to Walmart, you can buy a nativity set, those, those aired up ones for like $69. But we ain't trying to ruin that here today. So let's go into the word of God here this morning. Verse 1, it says this, chapter 2, verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, it says, behold, someone say behold. Behold. Which can be translated as stop, wait. Listen to what I'm about to tell you is, is, is what Matthew is relaying to us here. Wait, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. This doesn't say these were Jewish people. These were kings from the east that came to Jerusalem, came in the days of here. They, they traveled a long way. Now, who were these wise men from the east? Well, there's really only two Two places they could have been from because they were kings from the east. Could have been Middle Persia or could have been Babylon. Either or, they were pagan people. They weren't even believers. They were pagans. But they had come to Jerusalem to worship the king. But they come to Jerusalem saying this. Verse 2. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? That's a question. Where is he? How do they know about this Messiah? How do these, these pagan kings know about this Messiah? How do they know that he would be in Jerusalem? Well, obviously, these, these wise men were, were, were scholars. They were very wise with like a lot of astrological things and science. And, and they, were, they were obviously listening to a lot of Jewish scholars who were probably there in Middle Persia, who were probably there in Babylon, that they understood that they're, according to your book, according to your... Your, your, your Torah, according to what you believe, there's a Messiah that's going to be born. I want to know who this Messiah is. And they understood the scriptures. So they're, they're going to where? They didn't go to Bethlehem. They went to Jerusalem asking questions. Why did they go to Jerusalem asking questions? Because they figured the Jewish people will know about their Jewish king. So let's go to Jerusalem and ask, I see the star. Where is he that I may come to worship him? They came asking questions there. Pagan people, unbelievers coming to worship the baby Jesus. Let's continue. He says this, for we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. They, they saw a star and they saw it above. It was probably a different looking star because they were really versed and, and trained and, and, and all this type of stuff that they were involved in. Obviously the star was very unique that it would appear, and they knew right away that it was probably prophetic, that it was something that was to come to pass, and they, they, they took very, very uh, uh, keen interest in it. And they traveled to Jerusalem asking questions, asking questions among the people. Where is 
this king, we have come to worship him, meaning the child, the child. Why would they do this? Well, we know that because of what they believed and, and how bright they were and where they were from, the question is, is the fact that they were obviously monotheists. They believed in one God. They believed in one God. At that time, there were many gods. People worshiped all kind of gods, false gods, pagan gods. But even these pagan kings here understood that there was one God. There's one God. So they traveled to Jerusalem, inquired, talked amongst the people in the marketplace. They were inquiring about Jesus. Don't you know? We see the star. Why don't you know? And they're there inquiring. Look what happens here in verse 3. When Herod, the king, heard this, he was troubled. Now Herod hears about it because there's rumors swirling that there's some kings of the east in Jerusalem asking a lot of questions about a baby who was to be born the Messiah, who was to be king. And Herod gets word and he's troubled by it. So he's troubled. Or it could be translated, he's terrified. He's upset about this very thing. And Herod was a king that was appointed by the Roman providence, the Roman people. They appoint him to be king, sort of their puppet master, to carry out the things that they wanted to carry out. But Herod was a very ruthless king, a ruthless king. But he heard about it, and it said he was troubled, or he was terrified. But watch this, and it says, after he was troubled, follow along, it says, and all Jerusalem with him. It says all Jerusalem became troubled and terrified. Why? Because the king was angry. And when the king is angry, the people are going to shake. And when the king is upset, people are going to be terrified because they said the king has all power and the king will do some damage. And so all Jerusalem were troubled right along with the king. Verse 4. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So what did he do? He gathered everybody that would believe in the scriptures. Everybody that was believing in this prophecy, he gathered them all together. And he began to ask them all questions, one by one by one. Tell me about the king that's to be born. Why? Because he was a king. He doesn't want to be unseated, but he was a king. Hearing about the king that was to be born. But he inquires them as if he's interested in it. He's interested in it. Wanted to know about this thing. And then he finds out in verse 5, they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet. This scripture here, right after that, it says written by the prophet is from Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. Micah prophesizing, speaking about the coming of the Lord. And what's amazing here is not only, not only did Micah write this down, but it also came from the book of Numbers, chapter 24, when Balaam, Balaam, you may know the story of Balaam because Balaam rode a donkey that talked back to him. And Balaam was on his way on a road where the donkey saw the angel of the Lord but wouldn't move. And, and so Balaam began to hit his donkey. And the donkey turned to him and said, what are you doing, man? I've been serving you all this time. Why are you slapping me around? Just to paraphrase. And so Balaam knew about this star that was to be, that was prophesied that would happen. And it talks about he knew about this star that would appear all the way back to the Old Testament. You have these scriptures from the Old Testament writings about the star that would appear. And so here Micah is quoted in verse 6. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For, you, for, for from you you shall 
shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So verse 7 says this, then Herod summoned the wise men. They were in town, these, these foreign leaders, foreign dignitaries were in town. So he knew that they were there still asking questions about the king that was to be born. So what does he do? Go find me the wise men and bring them to me because I, I want to talk to them. And so they go and talk with the king. Verse 8. Well, verse 7 again. It says, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he does this secretly. He calls them into his chambers secretively. I want to I ask you some things, probably because I, I, didn't, I don't want to tell you what, what I told the other people when I was asking questions about from the scribes and the Pharisees about the scriptures and what they were teaching us. So he grabs the wise men secretly because they were pagan just like him. And he tells them, at what time did the star had appeared? Verse 8, then he says this. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. So we see what Herod is already doing. We see his, his, his uh, deceitfulness with the wise men and these wise men that went to see him and telling them, well, tell me when you find him, let me know too so I can come and worship as well. And then verse nine says this, after listening to the king, they went on their way and then it says, and behold, which means stop, pay attention, halt. The star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over a place where the child was. Where the child was. So here you have an appearance of a star. The wise men go to Jerusalem because they see the star. Where did the star go? Did it become day that the star would disappear? But obviously the star then reappears and it shows up over a place where Mary and Joseph were. But where was this place? Where was this place as we tell you the story of the first Christmas? It says, after listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Now here, pay attention. Verse 10 says this. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. So obviously they were excited again to see this star reappear. So the star reappears. They're excited to see the star because they know what that star means. And here are these pagan kings on their way to worship God. And it says this, verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Verse 11, and going into the house, someone say house. house. Going into the house. They didn't go into a manger. They went into the house. So you have to think now that this, the timing of this thing was far different than the timing of when the shepherds appeared to see the baby. This timing is far different. So you know that maybe your nativity scene may be a little messed up a little bit. But it's okay. You can have the kings there with the shepherds. It's all right. But this was probably another time because they're already in the house. Mary and Joseph are posted up at the crib. They're at the house when they come. And when they come, they saw the star over what? The house. They saw the star over the house. 
And in verse 11 again, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And what did they do? And they fell down and worshiped him. Amen. They worshiped the child. They worshiped Jesus in his mother's arms with his mother. And they fell down and worshiped him. These educated men who were well, who, who, who knew the, the, the scriptures from the, from the teachings of probably Jewish teachers. They knew who this child was and they fell down and worshipped him. Then it says this. Then opening their treasures, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts. Now, when we read this about the kings that come from the east, it doesn't tell you that there are three kings. You have, you have, not only do you not know that there are not three kings, we don't know how many kings there were. All we knew that they came from the east. But we don't know about three. Where do we get the number three? Probably from the three gifts. But there is no number of how many kings that actually had come. No number. And they come. These kings from the east. We don't know the number. There's also something else that we don't know as well. How do we know their names? We know their names. People tell you their names because many of you watch your Christmas shows. And you know their names. But, 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 but where do we know their names? They don't tell us their names here. But we have kings that came from the east who didn't believe, who were pagan, who came to worship the baby Jesus, who were smart, who understood the scriptures. But yet people who who are blind to the scripture, don't read the scriptures, don't see the truth of God's word. They did. They didn't believe, but they understood the scriptures. And when they saw the star that this prophecy was being fulfilled, they began to believe. They began, to, I've got to go. I've got to get there. I've got to see this child that was prophesied through the book of Numbers, through the book of Psalms, and also in Micah. Let's continue. It says they fell down and worshiped him. It says, then they opened their treasures. They offered him gifts. They didn't have these treasures in bags. They had these treasures. They had these gifts in treasure boxes. How many of you like treasure boxes? Yeah, you ladies like them treasure boxes. How many times do you walk around with a treasure box ready to give somebody a gift that's inside it? <laughs> they came with treasure boxes. They came a long, great distance. They didn't tell us they stopped in Jerusalem to get these gifts either. But they must have had them already because they were kings. So they had these treasures and the gifts inside the treasure box. And they come. It says they offered him gifts. They offered him gifts. It didn't say they gave it to Mary and Joseph. But they gave it to the king that was born. Let's, let's examine the gifts here. The first Christmas. Let's examine the gifts that they had. The first, it says here, is gold. The first gift is gold. Now, what do you give somebody? I don't know if you guys ever had this problem, but if you know somebody, how many of you know somebody who has everything? I don't know anybody has everything. I know of them on TV, probably. 
But if you just know somebody that has everything, what do you give somebody at Christmas? You know they have everything already. <laughs> and so here, they come to worship God. They come to see the prophecy that was, that was spoken of in the word of God. And they see the baby and one of the kings, or how many, I don't know how many kings there were, we don't know, but they presented the king with gold. Jesus has everything. And it's been said, what you give someone that has everything is gold. Royalty. He's royalty. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So they knew what to bring a king. They brought him gold. That's what you give God who has everything anyway. They brought him gold, signifying royalty. Royalty. That's what they brought him. The second one was this. The second gift at the first Christmas was frankincense. Frankincense. How many of you know what frankincense is? Now that is something that is given that you burn at the altar when you worship an act of worship and so they brought him frankincense as an act of worship now how many of you remember in the book of revelation when i was teaching this in the book of revelation that one of the churches in smyrna that was being persecuted is because the the people uh, the, the roman soldiers were who wanted caesar to be worshiped were going door to door after the census was taken going door to door knocking on their door and demanding them will they bow to caesar because usually they get the head of the house door to door and if they tell him he has to go to the altar to burn frankincense or incense as an act of worship under Caesar and if they didn't do this very thing they were brought out of their house and they were executed because they didn't bow to Caesar they said I'm not going to burn frankincense or incense to Caesar I'm not going to do that I'm going to burn it for my God I'm going to burn it for Jesus and so here the kings bring as an act of worship frankincense Gold for royalty, incense for worship. This was what they did as an act of worship unto God. And then finally, it says they brought myrrh, an ointment, a fragrance, a beautiful fragrance. They brought myrrh. And remember, these all were in treasure boxes. And so they bring him myrrh. What is myrrh? It's an ointment. It's something that they would use when they would... Um, pour it over the body when the body was, was gone, passed away. They would place it over there as an ointment, as a fragrance to anoint the body. You remember when Jesus, when Mary goes to Jesus, and she breaks the ointment over Jesus. Jesus received it at the beginning of his birth, and then he receives it at the end as he offers himself as a living sacrifice. So this perfume, this myrrh, gold for royalty, Frankincense for worship and myrrh offered for our king who was born to die for our sins. They bring these gifts at the first Christmas. And this is very important for us to understand because there isn't any Christmas music playing. There isn't anything that you could see that would be an extravagant Christmas. This was our king, this was God entering in into his creation to suffer and die for us. To be born, he needed to be, he become man, he became flesh for us. 
gold for royalty, frankincense for worship, and myrrh for a man who would die for our sins. These are the first gifts at Christmas. And then it says this in verse 12, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. That the Lord, after they brought these gifts, after they were obviously converted and worshiped the king, God speaks to them in a dream and tells them, go another way. Go another way. Don't go back to where you came from because Herod wishes to harm the child. So at the first Christmas when we see here and we, and we discuss this very thing for the next three weeks, I want you guys to remember what these gifts represent. Gold for a king. Incense for a god. And myrrh for the one who dies for us. And today, as we take communion, we are remembering the sacrifice that Jesus makes for us. That he's born, he enters in history creation, it's called the incarnation, to live the life perfect, against, uh, opposed to the law. Perfectly, he fulfills the law that we could never fulfill. He does this for us. He then goes to the cross as a perfect sacrifice and suffers and sheds his blood for us that God is propitiated and that we are redeemed, justified people and saved by his mercy and his grace. And so today, as we partake of the elements, I just want you to quietly think on these gifts that were given to God. And just remember that he is our gift. He knows perfectly what you needed. He knows everything about you. Just like this morning, I was explaining what I thought, would, how I, my mother knew the perfect gifts for her kids and what they would do to us individually. But Jesus does this very thing for you. He knows you. He knows what you need. You need him. And so he comes to be born into this world, fully God, fully man, to suffer our place on the cross. And he pays our sin debt. I want you to remember this as we teach on you, teach you the first Christmas. So let's take a moment to reflect where we are today. If you believe Christ is your savior, you've repented of your sins, and you believe in Christ as your savior, you understand that you need his righteousness. It can't be obtained from your works that you need this righteousness imputed unto you, that you understand you're in need of a savior, if that's you and you're a Christian, then we can partake of the elements together. If this is the first time you've ever heard this thing about Christ coming to suffer and die on the cross to pay our sin debt, and you wanna know this Jesus, our God, our King, you simply call out to him. You call out to him and speak to him. Tell him, Lord, save me. Save me. It's a time to reflect. So if you can just take a moment as I begin to pray and to reflect on your life where it is, confess your sins before God before you come and partake of the elements here. And then we will pray corporately together as you receive the elements. Over here is the grape juice and over here is the wine. We take wine 
for communion. So let me pray as we reflect on our current situation and thank God for his salvation. Heavenly Father, we 